0: Well, here we go. We're about to start 2015, and uh, as we enter into this new year, there are likely some adjustments that you intend to make in your lifestyle. All right. Or, or maybe, maybe, just maybe, you're running a little behind, because it was at this same exact time last year that you decided that you needed to make some adjustments in your life, maybe, maybe concerning your diet. Or maybe your schedule or your spending or your exercise. Well, you've still got three days to start, all right? And then you have to start all over again with new adjustments or New Year's resolutions. Social media is buzzing uh, with everyone's resolutions for the new year. Uh, Here are a few that I just jotted down, no particular importance. They just stuck out to me. Like, number one... I will drive by a fitness center at least once a week. That's a pretty good New Year's resolution. How about this one? I resolve to stop procrastinating about procrastinating. Number three, I will stop sending text messages and emails to my loved ones when we are in the same room together. Do you all do that? Okay, come on, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it beats yelling, you know, so anyway, here you go. Number four, I will use my treadmill for something other than to place my dirty clothes on. These are really going over great, aren't they? See, you're afraid to laugh or maybe to embarrass because they are true, all right? Uh, here's, here's a good adjustment. I will stop blaming the dryer for my clothes not fitting. I don't know why all these have to do with with that. But anyway, here's number six. It has to do with the same thing. To lose weight, I will stop buttering my donuts. Some pretty good adjustments we can make right there. Well, there are always adjustments that God wants to make in our lives as we pursue His good, acceptable, and perfect will more faithfully. So open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 5 through 8, and we'll start with verse 5 here in a moment. But what I want you to think about this morning are the adjustments that Jesus Christ made as He came to fulfill God's perfect will for mankind on earth. Before I read this text, let me set the context for you. The letter to the Philippians was a four-chapter thank-you note written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi for their faithfulness in supporting him and the ministry of God's church. Paul loved the church at Philippi, but he learned of a serious problem that needed to be addressed. There was just a little bit of disunity and conflict within the church with a couple of church members that threatened their fellowship. And not only that, it also threatened their witness to a lost world. And so Paul has a very simple solution to this dilemma. And here's what will get everybody on the same page, whether it's the people at Philippi or the people here at Kavanaugh Church in Fort Smith. It's found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He says, Your attitude. I'll just stop right there and let that soak in. All right? Because you know what? You have one. Right? Whether it's a good one or a stinky one, we've all got one, right? He says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. And really, the solution is for all of us to have the same attitude. That is the same mindset or the same way of thinking that Jesus Christ possessed. And that, my friends, is the simple solution to most of the dilemmas that we find ourselves in, whether it be with family members or friends or even here at the church. It could all be changed very quickly if we just had the same attitude that Jesus Christ has. Really, Jesus' attitude was revealed in the amazing thing that He did in the incarnation. When He stepped into a human body and became one of us, one with us. Notice what Paul goes on to say in verse 6. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing. Nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. The Father had an amazing purpose and plan for mankind. It was to redeem a lost human race that had fallen into sin. And Jesus, the Son of Almighty God, made the adjustments that He had to make in order to be a key player in God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for mankind. That is God's plan of redemption. So, let me remind you this morning of the great adjustments that Jesus Christ made when He came to earth to save you from your sins. And that's why Jesus came to save you. Think of the adjustments that the Son of God made. First of all, he who was God became a man. Now really, when I think about that, I can't wrap my mind around it. He who was God became a man. Philippians 2.6, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. What this verse is doing is is talking about and telling us of the great exchange that Jesus made at the Incarnation. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word. We looked at that over the last few weeks. That Word, the Word of God, is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it says... The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus, in becoming a human, did not lose any of His divine glory. He was all God, and at the same time, He was all man. Yet when He came from heaven, what Jesus did is something amazing. He limited Himself. Here's what God did. God, the One who spoke a single word and the worlds came into order, that same God squeezed Himself into the body of a human. Wow. That meant that Jesus would take on the same human limitations that you and i have to deal with every day but he did it without sinning the bible tells us he was tempted in every point in which we are tempted in other words jesus can completely and totally identify with you no matter where you are in life you face temptation he faced temptations you get hungry he got hungry you get thirsty he got thirsty you need to feel love and accept, he felt it too. In every point of our human existence, Jesus can identify with us. Why? Because he limited himself in becoming a human being. Yet the Bible is very clear in telling us he did it without sinning. That's something we can't do. Uh, But he did it without sinning. So as we think about adjustments that we need to make in our lives to... More faithfully complete God's will for our lives. There will be limitations that we put upon ourselves so that others can see and know Jesus inside of us. You say, Well, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, let me, let me just get real specific and I'll go back to our key verse, Philippians 2 5. It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Okay? So if I'm going to have the same attitude as Jesus, there are limitations and restrictions that I'm going to put on my own attitude. Because quite frankly, let me get out here where I can see everybody. Quite frankly, sometimes my attitude stinks. Yeah, See? Oh, I can very distinctly pick that voice up. I'm going to be be serious. You know what? God bless her. God bless Miss Angie. Because she sees a side of me that you never see. And read this past week, she's had to deal with my sorry, sour attitude, haven't you? She's zipping her lip. I know she has. I know she has. You know what? If if I am going to be like Jesus and I'm going to be the witness that God has called me to be, I am going to have to limit my attitude. I can't get mad just like that and tell people off. I can't allow bitterness to grow in my heart and anger and resentment and selfishness. The Bible tells me to have the same attitude as Jesus Christ. Therefore, there are certain limitations I need to make On my own attitude. You know what? Beyond that, there are other limitations I need to put on Will Harmon. The things I say, the things I do, the places I go. If I am going to be a witness for Christ, there are limitations that I will put on myself. Jesus did it. I need to make that adjustment as well. Number two, he who was in heaven came to earth. That is an adjustment. He who was in heaven came to earth. Verse 6, who being in very, in, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Now, this year at Christmas we've talked about, or at least thought about, the different names the Bible gives to God's Son. A couple of Wednesday nights ago I talked about the name Jesus. What a very simple name. Did you know that God's Son is referred to more times in the Bible to Jesus than any other name that God has given His Son? Jesus, just a, a simple name that anyone can call on. What a great name, Jesus. But He's given other names. In fact, the Bible calls Him Emmanuel. In Matthew one twenty three, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call Him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. So, in Christ, God came to be with us. Let me put it this way. Jesus adjusted His location just to be near those who needed Him the most. Us. That's amazing. That is amazing. That Jesus would adjust His location, that He would leave the splendor of heaven to come to earth just to be close to you. As you and I think about adjustments that we need to make to fulfill the mission God has given to us, you know what? We need, sometimes, maybe to adjust our location. By that I mean that God may be calling some of us, at the very least, just to adjust the traffic pattern of our lives so that we can come into greater contact with other people who need to hear the good news. Let me put it this way. Some of us need to break out of our holy huddle and start rubbing shoulders with and getting close to or at least communicating with people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I tell you, it's real easy for us to just be around people who like us. Who are the same as we are. Who have the same fundamental beliefs that we do. I mean, I like being around people like that. That I'm comfortable with. Don't you? But sometimes, that can get stagnant. Sometimes we need to break out of that and be around people who need the Lord. To be a light to them and a witness to them. For others of us, this may mean even a more dramatic adjustment to our location. Maybe God is calling you to another part of the world where people need to hear Jesus Christ. Maybe God is calling you to a short-term missions trip. Or maybe God is calling you to pack your bags and go clear across the world to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. And you know, it's also true for our church as well. Guys, listen to me. We cannot grow stagnant. We must constantly and continually be looking for ways to get out of our holy huddles. Hmm? And take the gospel to the street. Take it to the community where people need to hear the good news of Jesus. Isn't it great to come here on Sundays and just to worship and to to rub shoulders with people that believe the same as we do and be able to say amen at the same time? Isn't that great? That Maybe come back on Sunday night and go to our Bible study classes and, and be with people that we genuinely love and who love us and share prayer requests and pray. Isn't that great? Yes. And that is part of the Christian life, but it's only part of it. God expects us to take what we absorb in this building and then take it outside the four walls of this building to a world that needs to hear the good news. That's why I enjoy going downtown and, and helping feed the homeless. And man, we we had a great time this this past Monday, doing that. Record crowd. Uh, Zay 252. Zane was one of the official counters. We fed 252 homeless people on Monday. And Brother Johnny has been collecting for a year. All year long, he's been gathering blankets and coats, and you've given uh, gloves and scarves, and we had shoes that we gave to them. I mean, just great gifts were given to these homeless people. It was amazing. But you know what? The best part of it, the best part of it, was getting to preach to them. Let me tell you, they were all sitting out there, and I'll tell you the reason they were sitting out there listening to me is because they were given a little ticket. And if they weren't sitting there listening to me with that ticket in their hand, they couldn't get any of that free stuff. So I did have a captive audience. I did. And the first thing I did was pull a $10 bill out of my pocket and was looking for somebody to give it to. It was a cute little boy right there, maybe the third row back. And, and I gave it to that little boy, and as I gave it to him, I said, I'm giving this kid a $10 bill. You know why? Because I can, and I want to. And then I went straight from there to John 3:16, how God gave us a greater gift than that. And let me tell you what, you know what? They were listening to me. In fact, I was only supposed to preach five minutes, but I ended up preaching six minutes and 38 seconds. And one of the reasons I went long is because they were so attentive. They really were. In fact, I complimented them and I said, you guys are listening to me better than my church listens to me. It was amazing. It was awesome. You know what? It came back to to me. Here, This is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus left heaven to come to earth to give us the good news. And church, that's what we're to do. We are to leave our location and go to where people are. Because people matter to God. What other adjustment did he make? Number three, he who was rich became poor. Now listen to me. He who was rich became poor. In another place, Paul talked about the adjustment that Jesus made in these terms. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, how rich was Jesus? He lived in heaven. He made the world. It's His. He owns it all. That though He was rich, yet for your sakes, He became poor. So that you, through His poverty, might become rich. That is amazing. The God who had it all gave it up. Who was rich became poor. Why? So that we who are desperately poor can become rich spiritually through Him. What a gift! So Jesus didn't think of His position and His pleasure in heaven as something to be grasped, as Philippians six says, and selfishly clutched He released all of those riches in order to become poor. Why? Well, He did it so that you and I could become rich through the grace of God's salvation. So Jesus made an adjustment in His level of comfort and convenience in order for people to be saved. That is amazing. I mean, Jesus gave it all up. Ultimately, He gave everything, His own life. He became poor so that we could become rich. And if Jesus is our pattern, guys, let me tell you, we're going to do the same. We will make adjustments in the way we spend our time and our money, limiting ourselves so that others can hear the good news about Jesus. And I kind of hammered the first service people about this. And, and, uh, you know, really, I don't need to be hammering too much. I need, I, what I need to be doing is applauding you. Because you do this. You are a giving group of people. When it comes to your time and your money, you have proven it over and over again that you give. And I applaud you for that. It, it's great to be a part of a group of people who are willing to do that. To make the adjustments in your time schedule and with your wallet so that people can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you. But you know what I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't prod you a little bit. I think I think this next year, twenty fifteen, I'm gonna look for more ways I can adjust my own personal life so that I can give more time and more money to God's work. Because that's what really matters. I mean I was talking this morning first service. You you just go get a sandwich, any, any sandwich place in town. Shelaski's Jimmy Johns doesn't matter. You go anywhere and get a sandwich, you get a sandwich and a bag of chips and a Coke. you spent 10 bucks. I'll step over here when I say it out of aggravation and frustration. Can you believe that a sandwich and a bag of chips and a coke is costing you 10 bucks? Can you believe that? Can you believe that we spend it? Yeah, because our time's too valuable, isn't it? We'd just rather go and pick it up, man. Drive through, get it, man. Eat it while you're driving. I've seen people drive and drink and steer with their elbows. And I looked twice and it was some of you and it really made me scared. You know what, though? It's not going to hurt you one bit this year if you gave up Jimmy John's one time a week and took that $10 and gave it $10 a month. Will feed a family in our food bank. Man, Dude, just think about that. Man. He who was rich gave it up so that we who are poor could become rich. Number four, he who was loved became hated. Philippians 2 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus. Jesus did this because God so loved the world. And with the love of the Father pulsating through His veins, Jesus made this great adjustment. He stepped out of a heaven that worshipped and adored Him. And into a world that hated and despised Him. The Bible says the light of Jesus came into the world and the darkness could not comprehend it. And therefore they rejected it. Even more specifically in John chapter 1 verse 10. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Even his own people rejected him. So Jesus reminds us that as we make adjustments in our lives and as we boldly take a stand for Jesus Christ and for the Bible and for what is right, that our world is going to treat us the same way it treated Him. In fact, Jesus said in John 15, 18, If the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. So let's face it, church. If we are as faithful to Jesus as we should be, we will face the same treatment from the world that He faced. And I'm going to be honest with you, we may have lost our home-filled advantage here in the United States, but that doesn't excuse us from playing our hearts out in love to win people to Jesus Christ. And, you know, I mean, it is my job to admonish, so I'm admonishing. If the world, if there's somebody out there who doesn't hate you just simply because you're a righteous, holy, godly person, you need to check your lifestyle. Because the Bible tells us the world is going to hate us. And it, it took me forever to get this figured out and even to grip, come to grips with it now because, I, you know, I'm a nice guy. yeah, And, and I'm nice to people. I want want people to be nice, but I want people to get along with each other. And I just want to spread the love, man. And it is amazing to me sometimes, people people stay away from me. They don't want to be around me, and they they don't even like me. And I'm thinking, why why does this person not even like me? I've never done anything to them. I'm nice to them. Then one day it dawned on me. It's not me personally they don't like. It's who I represent they don't like. If you haven't figured it out, the world hates Jesus Christ. The world is tolerant for anyone or anything except Jesus and the followers of Jesus Christ. So, I'm saying that to tell you this. Don't go out of here looking for a fight. Alright? Please, don't leave this building today looking to get into a fight with somebody. But don't be surprised if that fight doesn't come to you. Because if you stand up for Jesus, it eventually will. The fifth adjustment Jesus made, and you're wondering, how many points does He have? Well, I'm almost done. He who was Lord became servant. When Jesus left heaven, He did not relinquish that title of Lord. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. But the Lord of heaven became a servant on earth. Philippians 2.7 But made Himself nothing. Jesus made Himself of nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And as a servant, Jesus served to the ultimate. Verse 8 He humbled Himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Really, when you get a glimpse of the mercy and grace that has been shown to us, the adjustments that Jesus made for us, you have to be moved to adoration. You have to say, wow! What a Savior! That the God of heaven, the Lord of lords, would come to earth to serve man. Humbling Himself girding a towel around His waist and taking a basin and washing His disciples' feet and then willingly climbing on a cross and dying for you. And you know what? If Jesus humbled Himself in this way, if, if He put aside His agenda, if He put aside His preferences, His comfort, His convenience, His wealth, you know, we need to do the same thing, church. So what adjustments do you need to make to your life so that you can become more like Jesus Christ. Well, before you answer that, there's one more great adjustment that He made. And that is this. He who was sinless became sin. Verse 8, Jesus humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know what Jesus did when He climbed on that cross? Jesus was doing the great work of redemption for mankind. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become righteousness unto God. What an amazing adjustment Jesus made in fulfilling God's purpose and plan for His life. And again, it should move us to worship Him. Jesus died for you. Jesus took your sin placed it on his own body as he hung on that tree. So just think of the adjustment that Jesus made to fulfill God's plan for mankind. The purpose of redeeming lost humanity. And it begs the question, church, what adjustments do we need to make in our lives to fulfill God's plan? God still has the same plan. God still wants people to be saved. And the only means He has provided for that is that you and I go out and tell people. That's it. We are His ambassadors. We are His witnesses. And so I've got to constantly be asking myself, okay, Will, what adjustments do you need to make in your life so that you can be the best witness for Jesus that you can possibly be? Let me help you do that. What adjustments do you need to make in your family life? Because you know what? That's where it starts. It starts in the home. Really, it does. What adjustments can I make in my home for my family, my kids, so that we can fulfill God's plan and purpose of redemption? What little tweaks can we make to become a more godly family? And parents, it it, it may be something just as simple as really dedicating every morning to praying for your kids. Praying for your grandkids. Secondly, what adjustments do you need to make in your financial life? What adjustments do you need to make on your calendar? What adjustments do you need to make in your relationship with non-believers? And what adjustments do you need to make in your life plans so that the world can hear about Jesus? You know, when you step back and take a look at the big picture, Jesus made quite a few adjustments, didn't He? Just for us. So, what adjustments are you willing to make for Him? I think this is a pretty good time and place to come and nail those down at the altar. Maybe you're here and and you just need to get right with God, come and ask for forgiveness of your sins. Jesus is waiting for you to do that. If you're here and you're a Christian and and you just need to nail these adjustments down with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, here's here's where I'm convicted. This is what I need to do this year. Would you help me do it? He wants to talk to you about that. You know, there there may be some of you here today, you you just need to come and talk to God. Pray to the Father. Maybe 2014's been miserable. (laughs) Maybe it's been bad. Maybe your world is falling apart. Your kids are rebelling. Your health is fleeting. I don't know what your issues are, but maybe maybe you really need some help today. The one to come to is God. We spent the last several days in Corning. This was Tyler's first trip to be with the whole family, and you can tell he's shell-shocked by it just by looking at him. 26 people and one dog in Grandma Peggy's house. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We came back yesterday. It was a great time, though. We really had it. it I mean, can I just say this? It is pretty cool to be a part of a family that really likes each other and loves each other and wants to be around each other. That really is pretty cool. Okay? It really is. Angie's got a uh, niece named Corey. Lives in Iowa. Her, and her husband, Brian, they have two little kids. Esme, I don't know how, Esme's six years old, and then has a little boy named Kit. Kit just turned three, and uh, Kit's pretty cool. He's, he's smart as a whip, and uh, he's cute as a buck. Uh, his, his mama has not cut his hair yet, so he's three years old, and I mean his hair's about down to here, and it's, it's some of the coolest hair. I, I told him, I said, dude, I've got $500 in my pocket, and I'll pay you every bit of that 500 for your hair. He just looked at me like, you weird guy. Anyway, that's inside the point. That's not my point. Kit wanted to go out in the backyard and play with his cousins, but he didn't have his shoes on. And so, and his dad were looking for his shoes. Now imagine 26 people in, in a room. We were all in this room, and, you know, people everywhere and stuff everywhere, and, and he, he can't find his shoes. Well, so I'm kind of sitting over here in the corner, and I see his shoes. He's a little bitty cute. They're little shoes. They're Converse, all-stars. They didn't lace. They, they had the strap, Velcro strap. And I saw him right there. And so I picked him up and I said, Kit, here's your shoes. Come over here and let Uncle Will put them on for you. Well, I see this kid once a year. And how old is he? He's just three. So he's only seen me how many times in his life? Three times. And I don't think he remembers the other times. And he looks at me... And almost panic comes over his face when he looked. And then he turned around and looked at his dad and his dad nodded his head like, it's okay. And so Kit came over and I put him up in my lap and I was putting on his shoes. And, <laughs> and out of the blue, I mean, out of the blue, he says to me in this little sweet voice, when I'm scared, I go to my dad's arm. And I thought, what a strange thing for this kid to say to me. <laughs> and then I'm kind of slow, okay? It, it dawned on me, he's scared of me, is what he is. He's scared of me. When I'm scared, I go to my dad's arms. Then my second thought was, kid, you're pretty smart. And church, can I tell you, when you're scared, when you don't know what to do, when you need help, the best place to go is the arms of the Father. And those arms are stretched out just waiting for you this morning to come and allow Him to embrace you with the great love He has for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd make it easy for my friends to come this morning and feel that warm embrace of the Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us. Lord, for those who need to come and be saved or recommit their life to you, I pray that they would do so this morning. Lord, for the rest of us who need to make adjustments in our lives so that we can be a more faithful servant of yours, I pray that we would come and make those adjustments. And then, dear Lord, for the rest of us who just need to come and feel safe in the arms of our Father. May we come. In Jesus' name, amen.